Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Appreciate you tuning in this week. Going to give you a little look behind the scenes here. I wanted to do daily recap shows during free agency, especially during those first few days. Unfortunately, the scheduling didn't work out for that, but never fear. We're back at it. We're going to do our usual Wednesday time slot here, and I'm going to go over the biggest moves from free agency so far, what they mean for your fantasy teams in 2023 redraft leagues and in dynasty. We're going to try to touch on it all, and you can get my full breakdowns from those daily recaps that I've been doing. I've been writing those over at the score. I normally post the initial version in the late morning, early afternoon each day, and then I update it as more signings and trades happen. And those have my initial fantasy takeaways in there. I have my early 2023 projections for all the big signings. And then I also include a bunch of quick thoughts on all the minor moves as well. And I guess I should say we're recording this Wednesday in the late afternoon. So if anything comes out tonight, I'll add it into the column, but obviously we're not going to get a chance to talk about it here. Maybe we can talk about it later in the week if we do another episode. All right, on today's show, I'm going to go over the top moves so far in free agency, and I also want to quickly mention who I believe are the best fantasy players still on the market, the guys that we should be watching to see where they land, the guys that could have the most fantasy value who are still out there. But I really have to start here with Aaron Rodgers. We know the story off by heart. He met with the Jets last week. He said he didn't want to take long to make a decision. Apparently, he didn't take long because he was on the Pat McAfee show today. He said that his decision was already made days ago that he told the Packers he wants to be a Jet in 2023. Now, there's a few speed bumps he's going to have to get over before they actually get it all settled. His contract's one of them. He's due just under $60 million this year. I believe they set it up that way to kind of force a breakup one way or another. And then on top of that, the two teams are going to have to agree on trade compensation, which hasn't happened yet either, apparently. So it seems like it's only a matter of time here before Rodgers joins the Jets. And we'll talk more about it when it actually does happen and become official. It's great news for Garrett Wilson. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've been so high on him all offseason. The excitement that we had for Elijah Moore over the last couple of years That's been dampened a bit by the signing of Alan Lazard. We know how much Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers have a connection there. So Lazard right now projecting to be the number two in New York with more likely as the number three. And that's because Corey Davis, he's been rumored to be a cut candidate, but really none of this is settled right now. We could see someone like Moore Davis get included in a trade going back to Green Bay. Who knows? For now, Garrett Wilson locked in as a number one fantasy receiver. Lazard, more in that wide receiver four flex range. There's a little bit of upside, but not a huge ceiling for him. More just a a dart throw until we know how this is all going to play out and who's going to end up on the Jets roster, who's going to end up elsewhere. We will find that out hopefully in the next week. I'd also be bumping up Ty Conklin, the Jets tight end. He's a sneaky value with Rodgers likely on the way there. And then in Green Bay, Jordan Love, he's got potential. He's had a chance to sit and to learn, just like Rodgers did at the beginning of his career. That should help Love. Certainly looked better in the brief appearance that he made this season, so I'm a little bit hopeful, but the passing attack is definitely going to take a hit with Rodgers leaving. I mean, there's a huge difference between Love and Rodgers. He's a different style of quarterback. The move is going to be felt big time for fantasy and in real life, and it hurts Christian Watson. It hurts Romeo Dobbs. I think the offense is going to be more LaFleur's system now. It's going to really lean on the running back. So Watson bumps down into that wide receiver three range. 
He's going to need those touchdowns. Going to have to continue that touchdown efficiency to see if he can hit in fantasy this year. It's going to be tough to do. And then Dobbs is just a dart throw, a late round pick in drafts moving forward. But really, the thing that's probably going to happen with the Green Bay pass catchers is they'll probably end up being a discount by the time the summer comes around because everybody's going to be down on them with Rodgers leaving. And all of a sudden, those ADPs will fall and they'll be at a price where we're willing to get back in. But we'll see how it all works out. Either way, that's where we're at with Rodgers. We know that he wants to go to the Jets. We just don't know when that's going to be official. For us, though, we can move on to the next thing. That's my top moves from free agency so far. And like I said off the start, you can read about all my thoughts on every notable transaction in my daily free agency column over on the score. Today, we're just going to hit on the most important moves for fantasy, and we're going to do it in reverse order of how they were announced. So the first one is Jacoby Brissett signing with the Commanders. And this was a tough decision for me, whether I put this in the big move section or in the minor move section in my article. I ended up giving it the bump into the big move section because I think he deserves a shot to compete for that starting gig. I think he'll get that opportunity. I'm not sure whether he'll win it in training camp and be able to start in week one because at the beginning of the offseason, the team said that they expected Sam Howell, who was their fifth round pick last year, they expected that he'd be the guy under center in 2023. Now, since then, Ron Rivera has kind of qualified that statement and said that a veteran could come in and beat Howell out for the job. And if that if that happens, so be it. Right now, we're projecting that Howell is going to open the year atop the depth chart, and it wouldn't be surprising if that goes down, and then he struggles throughout the year. I mean, the guy is a fifth-round pick. We saw very little from him last season. He played in Week 18. It was an okay performance, but didn't really blow the doors off. So he's going to go out there. We'll see if he can keep this offense moving. If he struggles, then you have Brissett there as a safety net to take over. And I think that's really the main takeaway here is that he sort of provides a high floor for Terry McLaurin and for Jahan Dotson. He keeps them in that wide receiver two, wide receiver three mix. If the team went into the season with Sam Howell and not much else behind him, then you could worry that the wheels would fall off and all of a sudden there's a lot more risk involved with McLaurin and Dotson and drafting them. Having Brissett there really is just peace of mind, I think, if you take those guys on your fantasy team or if you already rostered them in Dynasty. So I like them for that. And then Brissett himself, even if he does get under center at some point, he's really just going to be a low-end QB2, kind of like we saw with the Browns. I don't expect much more from him there. The next move I want to talk about, the Cowboys finally releasing Ezekiel Elliott. I don't mean to be cold about that, but yes, this was one that was kind of a long time coming. And, you know, Elliott's real impact in that Cowboys offense, it's kind of dwindled over the last couple of years. We've seen Tony Pollard being more explosive, having more success in the offense. And finally, last year, the coaches got on board with it and they started giving Pollard more work. Zeke, I mean, it was a bad year for him, right? Set career lows in almost every category outside of touchdowns. He did have 12 touchdowns this season, but Dallas finally cuts the cord. They save a bunch of cap space. It's possible that Elliott could find success somewhere else, that he could go to a contender, a good offense, and have maybe a Jamal Williams-style role where he could be that between-the-tackles grinder, where he could be that goal-line hammer for somebody. I think that would be the best way for him to regain fantasy value. But really, the real focus here should be on Tony Pollard. He was already before this. I considered him an RB1. I had him in the top 12 in my rankings. He could really be a top five guy now. I mean, if the Cowboys want to increase that workload significantly, he has the talent to get up there. Now, we have to remember 
He still has to recover from the broken leg. He also had the high ankle sprain at the end of the season. That happened in the playoffs. So we'll make sure to monitor his recovery, that he's going to be 100%. Everything that I've heard says that he'll be okay for training camp. So I'm not really worried about it at the moment, but that's one of those off-season injuries that we'll have to talk a bit about, that we'll have to keep an eye on just in case. And even if he is 100% for week one, I still think there's a strong chance that Dallas is going to bring in a, another player, somebody who could split some time with him, maybe be a complimentary back, just lighten the load a little bit. Maybe somebody who could play kind of the role that Zeke played last season. It's also possible that they could just lean on the current backup, Malik Davis. He flashed last season. It was very limited. He didn't play that much, but when he was out there, he looked all right. So he could be the number two. That's a guy that in deeper dynasty leagues, you should be going out, trying to pick him up, throw him on your bench just in case Pollard isn't ready, in case they don't invest in another back. There's a lot of ways that we could see this open up for someone else in that Cowboys backfield. So Malik Davis is a name to remember for sure. The Patriots signing Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, the contract here, three years, $33 million. It's not huge money. You know, he had two seasons where he just signed these one-year deals, really prove-it deals. Didn't get big money on the free agent market this year. Finally gets a little bit of a longer-term contract. So that's nice to see for him. But he's also leaving the Kansas City offense, which was really good to him, right? Playing with Patrick Mahomes is only going to elevate your fantasy outlook and your real-life potential. So he goes to the Patriots now where Mac Jones, is he going to be the long-term solution for them? We don't know. There's been talk this offseason that maybe Bailey Zappi will get back into the conversation there. There could be a quarterback competition. We'll see. But in New England, I mean, he's going to basically step into that Jacoby Myers role. Jacoby Myers going to the Raiders. We'll talk more about him in a second. But that is a role that Juju could excel in. He's a volume-dependent guy. This stage of his career, that's all you're getting from him, right? And I know that probably sounds harsh because I'm talking about a 26-year-old receiver. Normally, we would think that his prime is just coming up, but we've talked about this before. The knee injuries, they've taken their toll. They've sapped some of his effectiveness, and he's really become a less dynamic player. He's not the most durable guy. I know we played 16 out of 17 games last year, but he got banged up. In the second half of the season, he wasn't the same player. First half of the year, he averaged 7.5 targets per game. In the second half of the year, the targets went way, way down. He only topped 40 yards three times over his last 10 games for the Chiefs, and that's including the playoffs, obviously. I know he had 53 yards in the Super Bowl. That was kind of his best game in a while, and that's kind of sad to say. We're talking about fantasy. We want a lot more than that out of a number one receiver on a team. So if he can stay healthy, if he doesn't wear down as the season goes on, Smith-Schuster could flirt with kind of Jacoby Myers-like numbers, what Myers did in New England. But remember, Myers only finished as a wide receiver three in fantasy last year. So I think that's kind of the range that you should be projecting Juju for. My projection for him, 16 games just because of the durability concerns, 94 targets, 71 receptions, 832 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. That's what I'm seeing for Juju in 2023. The next move we got to talk about, the Buccaneers signing Baker Mayfield, a one-year deal, $8.5 million. And really, most of the notable quarterbacks had already gone off the market. So the Buccaneers needed to find somebody. It would have been a huge mistake if they rolled into the season just with Kyle Trask under center. And the coaching staff is definitely going to say that this is an open competition between Trask and Mayfield. Given his experience, given what Mayfield's done in the league already, 
I don't think that he is going to lose this job to Kyle Trask. Now, that's me saying that as somebody that is not a real Mayfield fan. I don't think this is going to turn out great for Tampa Bay. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate when you look at the players that they have, like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, these guys that in the past have been wide receiver ones in fantasy. They've been wide receiver ones in the same year in fantasy. They've probably really enjoyed having Tom Brady there and having that command of the offense the last few years, even with the struggles last season. Now with Mayfield under center, this is going to be a more chaotic passing attack. It's going to be a lot less consistency from Godwin and Evans. I think the duo is going to remain in that low-end wide receiver two conversation for fantasy. There is just a lot more risk attached to their outlooks now. Meanwhile, this is a great landing spot for Mayfield. I mean, a 27-year-old quarterback that completely fizzled out with the Browns and the Panthers, apparently He made enough of a positive impact during that really brief stint with the Rams at the end of last season to earn another starting opportunity. Seems crazy to me, but I would just say be warned. The primetime heroics that we saw from Mayfield last year, I think that overshadowed what was a really mediocre performance down the stretch overall. He is unlikely to be the long-term solution for the franchise. Really, fantasy managers... We just need to hope that he can keep this offense moving enough to allow players like Godwin and Evans and Rashad White, if he ends up being the starting running back, which we project, or Kate Otten going into his second season as the team's tight end. We want these guys to find success. With Mayfield there, I don't think they all will. I think it's going to be a little more sporadic, but I still believe in Godwin and Evans. I think the talent will win out. So I would still draft those guys, but like I said, a lot more risk attached to their profiles. And then for Mayfield, he should just be treated as a fringe low-end QB2. You know, I think he could find himself on the bench again during the season. If the Bucks are struggling, maybe they do finally want to see what they have in Kyle Trask and they give him a shot out there in the second half of the year. So keep that in mind. I have a projection for Mayfield. I did it for the whole year, but there's definitely a possibility that he doesn't make it through the whole season. Right now, my projection for 17 games, 3,609 passing yards, 21 TDs, 16 interceptions, 32 carries, 118 rushing yards, a touchdown on the ground, and a fumble. The next move we can discuss here, Panthers signing tight end Hayden Hurst. The contract is three years, $21.75 million. That came out a little later in the day. And Hurst is somebody that hasn't really been much of a fantasy factor the last couple seasons, but going to the Panthers at this moment in time, I think it's something that should really pique fantasy managers' interest because He's far from being one of the elite tight ends. Get that out of your mind. He is not going to be up in the top five or something like that. But we could look to Hurst to be someone that sneaks into that low-end tight end one conversation. And there's a couple reasons for it. I mean, he was a first-round pick. The talent is there. When he gets featured in an offense, he can produce. And you go back to 2020 when he was a member of the Falcons, finished as the tight end 16 in fantasy points per game, had 56 catches, 571 yards, and six touchdowns. Since then, hasn't come anywhere close to the 88 targets that he had that year. But in this Panthers offense, they're having this full rebuild right now. You're bringing in a new coach in Frank Reich. He has a history of making good use of his tight ends. The team has already traded up to acquire the first overall pick, which you know they're going to use that on a new quarterback. That move alone is going to get some excitement, going to inject some life into the passing game there. And in this environment, a stat compiler like Hurst, he should be able to deliver solid, I would say, tight end two fantasy numbers while also having that chance to sneak up into the tight end one range if, and this is a big if, 
the Panthers fail to add a significant talent at receiver. If they bring in Adam Thielen and they bring in sort of like the, the Texans did last year, sort of an amalgamation of these veteran guys, but not really drafting a big name, not really signing or trading for anybody big. All of a sudden, you could see Hayden Hurst get a lot of volume in that offense. So my 17-game projection for him, 82 targets, 59 receptions, 543 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Now, this next one we're going to talk about, this is a guy that is very controversial. Some people hate him. Some people love him. I am definitely more on the side of loving him. It's David Montgomery signing with the Lions. I think this was a surprising move to some people. We all love DeAndre Swift. We all want to see DeAndre Swift perform, but we need to come to the reality that the Lions franchise, they do not view him as a workhorse back. They are not going to use him that way. That's the reason why Jamal Williams got a lot of work last year. They want to keep Swift healthy and he hasn't missed a ton of games. Like last year, he was out there most of the time, but he tends to get banged up a lot. He tends to play hurt a lot and then he's not as effective in those situations. So having Montgomery there, it's going to complicate things. I mean, it's going to bring an end to the Jamal Williams era for the Lions. That was highlighted by that league leading 17 touchdown campaign last year. But now you're bringing in Montgomery who offers a lot of the same things that Williams gives you, right? He gives you that physicality between the tackles. He could be that goal line guy for you as well. And I think he's just overall a much better back than Jamal Williams. So I think this is a really good signing actually for the Lions. It protects them in the event that Swift does get hurt again. And it gives them a guy that they can pair with Swift and hopefully both can stay healthy and produce. When you look back to last season, Jamal Williams produced really well. He finished as a top 10 fantasy back and a lot of it was because of the touchdowns of course but then you had Swift on a per game basis being in that low end RB2 range so could we see both Montgomery and Swift come through for us in fantasy and potentially put up maybe RB2 seasons I'm not going to get crazy and say either guy is going to be an RB1 at this point but we could see them both be usable fantasy starters this year. And I mean, you talk about Swift and the ceiling that he could have. I mentioned with Tony Pollard, if the workload was there, Pollard could be a top five fantasy back. It's the exact same thing with DeAndre Swift, but can he hold up with a heavy workload? We just, we haven't seen any evidence that he's capable of that. And head coach Dan Campbell has repetitively hinted at the fact that they want to limit Swift's usage. The Montgomery signing, that's just the latest indication that they want Swift to be part of a committee or potentially take a back seat to a guy like Montgomery. That's going to cap the fantasy values for everybody here. So I think Montgomery's a better back than he's given credit for. He's somebody that already has an RB1 fantasy season under his belt when you go back to 2020. The efficiency for him really began sliding when the Bears offensive line kind of started to fall apart a little bit, right? So I know for someone that has rostered Montgomery in a lot of dynasty leagues, he takes advantage of the good matchups, of the positive game scripts. He will take advantage of playing behind one of the best offensive lines in the league for sure. I think we're going to see this ascending Lions team really allow both of these guys to produce. So both Swift and Montgomery, for me, I think they're going to be worthy selections in fantasy drafts. I think you're going to want to have exposure to both of them. If I was forced to pick today, this might surprise some people. I would give Montgomery the slight edge over Swift for 2023. Montgomery's projection for me, 206 carries, 865 rushing yards. 
10 touchdowns, so still getting to double-digit touchdowns. Not quite the 17 we saw from Williams, but 10 touchdowns is quite a bit for projection. 29 receptions, 232 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. Next one on my list here is the Jets signing Alan Lazard, but we kind of hit on that earlier when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. So let's skip ahead one more to a move that had everybody talking, the Eagles signing Rashad Penny. Just a very small deal. One year is around $2.1 million max that he could earn with some incentives there. The Eagles backfield, though, they needed someone else. They were not going to go into next season just with Kenny Gainwell, and they brought back Boston Scott. They're letting Miles Sanders go. So were they going to draft somebody? That was definitely a possibility. It's still a possibility. Like this isn't a huge contract for Penny. This doesn't preclude them from going out and getting someone else. But Penny, we know an incredibly explosive talent, a really boomer or bust back. The thing that has really prevented him from reaching his potential has just been the injuries. I mean, he's 27 years old now. He was limited to 10 or fewer appearances each of the last four seasons, played just five games last year. Now, when he's out there, he has looked good. He is a big play threat. This guy's a former first round pick, and a lot of people want to call him a bust, but talent-wise, that couldn't be further from the truth. He averaged over six yards per carry the last two seasons, and he really could just completely break a game at any moment. Now he's going into this Eagles offense where you have a ton of different weapons that defenses have to focus on. You have one of the best offensive lines in the league. You have multiple ball carriers that can be these complimentary guys. Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. You have a quarterback that can handle some of the goal line duties in Jalen Hurts. So maybe that's enough to keep Rashad Penny healthy this time around. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a strong RB2 candidate for fantasy. And there is some potential there that he could get up into the RB1 range when he finds the end zone in those weeks. He could be a guy that gets up into the top 10, top 12. So my projection for him right now, it is generous, 15 games. We will see if he can get there, but it is hard to project injuries. So right now for me, I have him 186 carries, 911 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, 19 receptions, and 152 receiving yards. So not a ton of work in the passing game, but if he can get that touchdown number up, he could be a guy that you want in your lineup most weeks. Now, we're going to talk about a trade finally here. The Giants making the really big deal, trading for a tight end in Darren Waller. And there have been a lot of rumors the last couple seasons that Waller was on the block, that maybe the Raiders were looking to move him. Well, they finally did it for a third-round pick, and now the Giants get themselves a playmaker. Some much-needed pass-catching help when you think about what they had this year out there. One of the worst collections of receivers and tight ends. And I'm a guy who who likes Darius Slayton, but man, that was hard to watch at times. They made the most of it. Isaiah Hodgins came on down the stretch for them, really out of nowhere, but they needed some bigger talent this offseason. That's what they're set on doing. They make this trade to get Waller. There's a lot of reports that they're in on potential free agents and potential trade options for receivers, so we'll have to watch for what happens there, but Waller gives them one of the most dangerous playmakers at his position in the league. You know, he's another guy, though, that's when he's healthy. He's 30 years old. He's missed 14 games over his last two seasons. The availability aspect is far from a sure thing. But when he's on the field, he is a mismatch nightmare. 
His resume, he's already got a couple seasons with at least 90 catches and at least 1,100 yards. He's someone that when everything comes together, when the volume is there, when he's healthy, he's somebody that can push for top five numbers, that could challenge the elite guys at the position. We're just going to have to wait and see what the Giants do if they're going to make that splash at receiver as well. But at the moment, Waller should be comfortably inside your top 10 fantasy tight ends. I hope he was already there. And if he can avoid injury then maybe, maybe we get him up into the top five or so. But right now, going to keep him as sort of that mid to low end tight end one. The only bad news is you bring him in and a young promising tight end like Daniel Bellinger, he bumps down the depth chart, at least for the foreseeable future for a year or two. So for now, Waller, his 2023 projection, 94 targets, 63 receptions, 718 receiving yards, and just three touchdowns. And you might be surprised by that, but he is not a big touchdown score. I think he only has one year where he really put up a noticeable touchdown total. So hard to project him for a big touchdown number there. A move that really stunned me. I thought Michael Thomas was a goner. I didn't think he was going back to the Saints anyway. And yes, the Saints find a way to rework that deal and to get him back in the fold on a one-year $10 million contract. Just so many injuries, so much bad blood it seemed over the last couple seasons with Thomas and the media and everything. Just 10 games for them over the last three seasons, but the two sides were able to agree on a restructured deal, a lot of incentives in there for them, and it's been a while, so you might forget, but Thomas was absolutely dominant. There were four straight seasons there where he was over 1,100 yards, had that big 149 catch, 1,700 yard, nine touchdown campaign back in 2019. He was the wide receiver one overall in fantasy that year, but in the three games that he played in 2022, he was still pretty good. I mean, he averaged the ninth most fantasy points among receivers last year, even though he's only out there for three games, showed that he could still be a threat when he's healthy. And yes, the situation has changed quite a bit from the days when Drew Brees was there throwing him passes, but the Saints, it seems like they've stabilized that quarterback position by signing Derek Carr. You have a sophomore receiver in Chris Olave who's going to challenge Thomas for that number one receiver role, but there might be some extra targets to go around depending what happens with Alvin Kamara's off-field situation and we're not going to get into that today I'm sure it'll come up again we'll get an update on that at some point in the offseason either way Thomas is a pretty intriguing player this season I think you could gamble on him just given the fact that that ADP is going to be significantly discounted I would project you know he's been away for a long time hasn't really been a trusted fantasy starter in a few years I think you're gonna be able to get him at a discount and I think it's going to be worth it Thomas's 2023 projection for me 109 targets 73 receptions 814 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Now the Dolphins, this one also surprised me. A few moves have surprised me so far. The Dolphins re-signing their entire backfield, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Salvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin, they're all coming back. And really there's a chance that they could still go out and get someone else. I just, because all four of these guys are coming back does not mean that they're not going to go out and draft somebody. But right now, it looks like they're just going to run it back. So that means that Raheem Mostert will have some big weeks, kind of a guy who's in that 
RB3 range, but could have some RB2 production. Jeff Wilson settled in as the complimentary guy behind Mostert in the second half of the season after he came over and had a big game or two off the start for the Dolphins. But really, he's going to be the number two back there. And then you'll have Ahmed and Gaskin battling it out for the number three spot. But I'd be worried if I was Miami going into the year again. I think they got lucky that Mostert stayed healthy last year and that Wilson was available for them and was able to give them some good production in the games where he got starts. I'd be worried if they go into the year with just this at running back. But Mostert would be a very, very cheap option as an RB3 flex for you if they end up with this lineup in week one. Now, we can't finish off the top moves section without talking about the Raiders. They go out and find themselves a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo on day one of the legal tampering period. And then the next day, they signed Jacoby Myers. So the front office, there's still a lot of work to do here. They got to improve the offensive line, but there's no denying that the talent around Garoppolo is pretty good there. I mean, you talk about the receiving core, even with Darren Waller gone, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers is your number two, Hunter Renfro is your slot guy. And then you have last year's rushing leader in Josh Jacobs in the backfield. That's the kind of environment when you pair it with Josh McDaniels, who kind of like Kyle Shanahan is somebody that wants to run the offense, that wants his quarterback to be a game manager out there in that kind of environment. Garoppolo can succeed and you bring in someone like Myers who both Garoppolo and Myers have familiarity with McDaniels going back to their time together in New England. I think it's going to give this offense a bit of a head start in the offseason in order to get ready and to get everybody on the same page. So Adams, for me, remains that unquestioned number one option. He remains a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes. For now, I'm looking at Myers more in that wide receiver four range. And when you get to the wide receiver three, wide receiver four range of my rankings, it is very tight. There are a lot of good receivers in that area of my rankings. So it's tough to get someone even like Myers up any higher than that. The landing spot for him isn't ideal. I would have rather seen him go somewhere where he could be the number one on a team. He's not going to get that opportunity with the Raiders. So right now he's down in the wide receiver four range with a chance to sneak up and be a wide receiver three if Garoppolo and everyone finds their rhythm in this offense this year. And the Raiders are definitely going to be in the mix to add a tight end now, but the move getting rid of Waller it at least opens the possibility of a bounce back year for Renfro, right? I wouldn't get too excited. He's just a guy that you would take a late round flyer on fantasy drafts, but we might see a little more from him with Darren Waller out of the picture and also with Foster Moreau out of the picture in the tight end room there. Uh, Myers 2023 projection, if you want it, 116 targets, 78 receptions, 904 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. And then for Jimmy G, I have his 17 game projection at 4,219 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 37 carries, 58 rushing yards, and four lost fumbles. All right, that is all for my thoughts on the biggest moves so far in the first few days of free agency here. There's just so much stuff going on right now. I'm worried that things could get swept under the rug. Like the Austin Eckler situation, that kind of came out of nowhere that the Chargers and Eckler, they weren't able to come to terms on a contract extension. So they've given him permission to seek a trade, according to Adam Schefter. And you wonder, is this a real possibility or is this just posturing and they're just trying to negotiate a better deal with the Chargers? Either way, this is pretty big news for fantasy, and it could be huge news if it actually happens. I mean, Eckler was the RB1 overall in fantasy points per game last season. I know he's going to be 28 this year. He's in one of the best offenses in the league. I think it would be a shame to see him leave that situation, but if he did, 
there are quite a few other options for the Chargers. You know, it's a position where we know you can find running backs, maybe not as good as Eckler, but you can find running backs to slot in. They could draft a running back. They could lean on one of the veteran free agents out there, bring somebody else in, uh, Miles Sanders, somebody else that's still available. They seem to like Josh Kelly last season before he got hurt. Maybe you could roll with Josh Kelly and you hope to get more from Isaiah Spiller in his sophomore campaign. That's probably the least desirable of all the options, but really anything's on the table. We just don't have any answers yet. This one is still in flux, so... Eckler's people will see if they can find a team willing to give him that monster deal that he's looking for. And for as good as he is, it might be hard to get a big contract just given his age and the position he's playing. But we'll stay on top of it in the coming days for sure. That brings me to the last item on my list that I want to get to, the best of the rest. Who are the names that we're going to be watching for to see where they sign in the next few days or potentially the next few weeks? Some of the guys linger out there for a little longer. And the quarterback market is really dried up. Lamar Jackson's still out there. He's got that non-exclusive franchise tag. He's officially able to talk to teams now. We're after 4 p.m. on Wednesday. The new league year has started, so we'll see if there's any movement there. Based on all the reports that we heard last week, though, and teams not really planning to go after him, or at least that's what they were saying, I'm guessing he's probably just going to end up back in Baltimore. And then after that, you're just looking at backup options right now, like Carson Wentz, who probably has run out of chances to be a starter at this point. Marcus Mariota, who I don't think he really won anybody over when he left the Falcons late last year after they decided to roll with Desmond Ritter and get a look at him late in the season. And then Gardner Minshew and Teddy Bridgewater, really nothing you can count on. Just guys that are going to fall into number two roles and then we would need an injury for them to make a fantasy impact. At running back, a lot of the top names are gone. Ezekiel Elliott added to the list, so the list did grow by one there. But just now, as I'm talking, I see a notification pop up on my phone that Jamal Williams will be going to the Saints, and that could tie in to the Alvin Kamara note that I made earlier that maybe Kamara either could be suspended early in the season, maybe not be there at all. He's still got that court case to work through, so we'll see how all of that ends up playing out. But as of right now, we know that Jamal Williams is going to be a Saint, and he could get a lot of work there depending what happens with Alvin Kamara. We also still have Miles Sanders and Deonta Foreman, Devin Singletary, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, Kareem Hunt, Jarek McKinnon. So there are a lot of guys who could make a difference in fantasy depending where they land. We'll keep an eye on all those. For receiver, the free agent class, it really wasn't great to begin with. A couple of the top names are already gone, but I'm intrigued by where Odell Beckham is going to land. I still think he's got something left in the tank, and I did not expect him to do anything last season. The guy tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. He was not going to get back and be able to make an impact at the end of the season. Now he's got another full offseason to get healthy here, so he could end up on a contender. I imagine he wants to be on a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. He will sign on with a good offense, and we could see him do something great if he can stay healthy this time around. I think DJ Chark is underrated in terms of what he could do for fantasy. We saw some big games from him with the Lions last year. Darius Slayton, who I talked about earlier, it's a chance that he could stay with the Giants. There was a report that the team was hoping to bring him back. Not sure if they're going to be able to do that. Adam Thielen visiting the Panthers today. Probably haven't seen the best of what Paris Campbell could do. We know this is a Paris Campbell-friendly podcast. I'm hoping that he could end up on another team and maybe give us something. But either way, 
a few interesting names out there at wide receiver, even if none of them are really of the superstar variety. And then at tight end, could still see some fireworks, depending what happens with a couple of the bigger names there, like Dalton Schultz and Mike Gusecki. There's a few offenses that could use some help at tight end, so we could see some value there for fantasy. Keep an eye on some of the deeper guys like Irv Smith and Robert Tunyon, Foster Moreau, who we talked about a bit, Austin Hooper, even Jordan Akins. They've all had some success in fantasy, and with the right landing spot, they could be fantasy factors again in 2023. But that is all for today's show. I'm calling it there. I have talked enough. Make sure that you're checking out those daily recap articles that I'm doing. You can find those over on the score app in the NFL section. I know some people were asking where the fantasy section went. It's just some off-season movement in the app. Don't worry. Fantasy section will be back soon enough. But in the meantime, you can find all my stuff in the NFL section or by following me on Twitter at Justin Boone. And I will continue to pump out content all week. I'll have updated redraft and dynasty rankings out either later this week or probably more likely early next week. Just depends how many more moves happen on Thursday and Friday. And if we get a lot of stuff, then I will probably be back on Friday with another episode to recap it all. But until then, big thanks to all the newsbreakers for keeping us up to date on all the latest in free agency. It's just such a wild week for them. I know how busy they are. So thank you for that. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time.